Welcome to the Enchanted Ears Podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Disney. I'm Angela. And I'm Joe. Angela. Yes, that's me. Got something for you. So this week, the week we're recording is Donald Duck's birthday. It was earlier this week. Happy birthday, Donald. So on uh, Disney's Instagram, on their Instagram story, they had a few trivia questions Oh no. On how well you know Donald Duck. Uh, so I'm going to ask you these trivia questions right Fountal now. Fountal Roy. You're correct on the first trivia question. Boom! <laughs> that was the only one I knew. So the first, and these are multiple choice. The first question probably was, what is Donald Duck's middle name? What right? is his middle name? Yes. So Sorry, listeners. You probably wanted to play along and I just ruined it. Yeah, so, so Fountal Roy is the correct one. <laughs> these are multiple choice. So the next... The next two are multiple choice, so we'll see if you get these. I could not get them. So the next question is... Wait, wait, wait. Are you telling me that if I get these correct, then I have officially beaten you? Yes. If you get one out of two correct, yes. You'll oh, better oh I'm going gonna, gonna to crush this. Okay. <laughs> Pressure's on. And here. then I'm going to crush you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the next question is... And let me, let me read all the choices because it will help you out. Okay. In what short did Donald first debut? Ooh, so the this. band concert, Orphan's Benefit moving day or the wise little hen the wise little hen and i win very good very good yes, you, you forget did. that in the i did the 1930s disney's decade episode or episode and i talked about that too much research here okay so please describe to the listener what i'm doing right you're now. just dancing with with joy it's a very awkward dance uh no it's amazing you have i'm popping and locking it i, I don't want to say you have no rhythm but I mean, there's no music. Of I course, think, I have no rhythm. I think if you're at a wedding and you came out with that, the dance floor would clear very quickly. No, everybody would join. <laughs> so not as good as your Gangnam style. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> All right. So here's the last question. Let's see if you can go. Oh, I'm sorry. There's actually four questions. So there's two more. So this is the third but one. But I've already beaten you. Yes, but you already have. So Excuse me. I'm going to take my mic off the stand so I can drop it. <laughs> Please don't do that. All right. What color shirt does Donald's nephew Huey wear red, blue, green, or yellow? None of them wear yellow. Um, I'm glad I didn't pick yellow then. Uh, Huey, I'm assuming Huey's the red one. Very good. Boom! Very good. Very good. Okay. The dancing is getting considerably worse as we go along. Wait, please describe exactly what I'm doing because I'm doing something very specific. You look like one of those, like a used car dealership. Yes, I'm being one of the sock people. Yeah, not those, sock little, people. <laughs> those people blowing in the, the breeze. The little guys so. with the wavy arms. That's we need me. to, uh, I mean, this is an audio. We need to get some some video in this so we can show people this. <laughs> really uh, bump up listeners. Or maybe it'll turn, ruin <laughs> listeners. I don't know. Chase them away. Okay. So here's the last question. So, so far you're three for three. And you answered the first one without even hearing the question, which is impressive. Yeah, I know. All right. So what is Donald's first film appearance? Oh, I don't know this one. So it is Fantasia, The Three Cabaneros, Saludos Amigos, or Melody Time? The Three Caballeros. I Incorrect. Think. That's what I picked because he's in that ride. In the Mexico Pavilion, so I was like, "Oh, that seems good." It's actually yeah, Saludos one. Amigos. I figured that it had to be one of those two because they threw two in that have the Mexican t- or the like the Spanish titles. So Correct. one's meant to throw you off, and one was the real answer. Well, right. Well, he is one of the three Cabaneros, so that's why yeah. I was like, "Oh, that must have been his first film." 
but now salute. So that's pretty good. Three out of four. That's that is impressive. I, know. I knew the first 75%. one. 75%. I knew the first one because of you, because you've talked about that on the podcast before. What his middle name mm-hmm. is. So I was like, I got this. And I was like, the rest of these are going to be easy. And then I could not get any of them. <laughs> I was just guessing <laughs> at that point. So I was like, oh, I didn't know too well. But you're a big Donald Duck fan. So um, it makes sense that you know three out of yes, four. Yes, I do like Donald Duck. He is the best. He's the best of the original characters, I think. Like the the big characters. I think you like Goofy the, the best, the original, right? The original six. Yeah. Yeah, I would have. I would have to say I'm probably. I like Goofy. I think just because he's tall and I'm tall. <laughs> I mean, there's something about that. He's the most like me, so I like him the most. Tall guys have to. Uh, they have to stay together. You know what though? I like Donald because he's t- he's he's salty and and uh, a little bit sarcastic. He's the most like you. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> well, be- before we we kind of jump in our episode and and what we're going to talk about today. It's kind of a mix of Disney news and just kind of our thoughts on it. We're going to be talking about Galaxy's Edge, which opened in Disneyland at the end of May. If you listen, I think it was last week. We recorded that episode early and we kind of... We, we recorded that episode like, like a month ago. We pretended like it opened and, and everything uh, was cool. But but now that it's officially open, we're going to kind of talk about some of the, the feedback of it and things. And I wanted also kind of, I had an interesting take on the land that I, I kind of wanted to talk about of hot takes. Yeah. Some hot takes of, of how I think you can trace uh, Harry Potter at universal directly to galaxy's edge. So I, I thought that would be an interesting take. Cause we have not been to galaxy's edge yet. No. We'll be visiting the Disney world version in November, but there's been a lot of reviews and videos out about it. So kind of give listeners you know, some idea of what's happened. But before we jump into that, I did want to uh, congratulate Adrian M for being the winner of our Captain Marvel giveaway. Yay, Adrian! So, uh, you know, thanks for listening. Thanks for your great review. She won our two uh, Captain Marvel Funko. So, we'll congratulations. We'll, we'll probably do some other giveaways, I would think, throughout yeah, the year. Yeah, I thought that was fun. Yeah, I think that was good. So, definitely make sure you listen or like our Facebook, our Instagram page. We are at Enchanted Ears Podcast on both. You'll be the first to know. We'll post it there. We should we'll also mention it on the podcast. We, this is something, this is the conversation we should have off mic, but I think when we're in Tokyo, um, we should pick up something from there and have another raffle with some, something a, we pick yeah, up have there. Have a giveaway, something like that. Yeah, maybe yeah. we can do that. So yeah, definitely. Maybe it could be Duffy related. Yeah, definitely like our pages though. So you'll be the, the first to know. And also when we are in Tokyo next month, We'll be posting pictures and some video and stuff. So you want to make sure you follow our social media channels for that. Absolutely. So, yeah. So so this week, like I said, um, you know, the last couple episodes we recorded a few weeks ago because uh, we were on vacation for a little bit. So we weren't able to record. But I wanted to talk about Galaxy's Edge. So far, everything's gone really smoothly. I think the reservation system has worked really well. Well, we were on vacation when it opened up. And I remember you saying to me that... We should have, because we were in Las Vegas, and I remember you saying we should have actually driven out we to Disneyland to go, yeah. because you said that the lines and everything were actually not bad at all because people anticipated that it was going to be so crowded that people actually just didn't even go. Yeah, so it seemed to happen the first month you had to have a reservation to get into Galaxy's Edge. So Disney was able to limit the crowds into Galaxy's Edge, but the media hype of the new lands opening, it's going to be so crowded. People are going to be camping out for weeks. And it seemed like nobody went to Disneyland or Disney California Adventure if they didn't have a reservation because I was seeing wait times of like 10 to 15 minutes for every other ride in the park. So 
Yeah, that's crazy. If you were there at that time, and again, you only had four hours in Galaxy's Edge, you basically had the rest of the park to yourself, it seemed like. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty nuts. But, you know, it's an interesting comparison because Universal this week just opened in Florida their their Hagrid's motorbike adventure, and the line was 10 hours (laughs) the first day. (laughs) People were lined up at 3 a.m., and... (laughs) you know it it was good for one day now they're going to a virtual queuing system so they really won't have that anymore but disney kind of avoided that i mean in one respect i think universal likes that because it creates a lot of hype yeah it's a lot of but i think disney tried to avoid that one they didn't need the hype everybody knows star wars is going to be popular yeah and they didn't want to have something where they have so many people they're turning people away and there's a lot of dissatisfaction you knew before you yeah disney's all about the experience yeah you knew before you went what time you were going and i've i heard you know anybody that's gone you know let us know you know what you thought of it the experience but what i had seen is uh, the process was very smooth to check in and get your wristband. Most people said within 15 minutes they had the wristband for their time. It, it was a very smooth process. I don't think the land was overcrowded. Like Disney didn't have too many reservations or anything like that. And so, so it's been a pretty good process. Now, it will be interesting at the end of June whenever it is kind of open to anybody. They're still going to be using like a virtual queuing system. So if you're there as soon as the park opens, they'll let you in. But then once it reaches capacity, you're going to have to get a return time. So I think at that point, you're going to see people lining up at three in the morning or, or something like that in order to be the first one in the land. So that way they don't have to queue because that four hour wait goes away. Yeah. So when that happens, crowds might be a little bit crazy. But so far, it seems to be going pretty well. Yeah, that's I mean, I hope that it dies down. I mean, not that it's it's bad now, but I hope it dies down in you know, world by the time we get there. Well, that's the thing. I mean, Disney World opens and they're having no reservation system. Uh, It opens in August. So we'll be going two and a half months or so after it's open. So I think the initial push, it's definitely going to be crowded. You're going to have to go early, but that initial push is going to be gone. So I thought it'd be good to kind of, you know, like I said, do a, a quick recap. I mean, everything I've seen and heard, the land is extremely immersive uh, you know, everybody's Which seen, isn't surprising. Right. It's not surprising at all. Everybody says, you, you know, you really feel like you are in a Star Wars universe. What I found interesting, though, is most of the comments coming out, they're not really super surprised by this, but a lot of the comments are the land itself is better than the ride. So the only ride that's open is the Millennium Falcon ride. And people seem to say, oh, you know, it, it's good doesn't seem to be a, a showstopper of a ride. I've heard a lot of people say that, you know, if you can only do one thing, the flying the money in Falcon may not be the one thing you want to do. Really? Yeah, that it, that actually the building your own lightsaber experience or going to the cantina, um, some people like that better than riding, flying the, ro- the well, Millennium Falcon. From what we were kind of seeing too, and this is kind of what we, what was anticipated is that, the Millennium Falcon ride, it is so dependent on your crew. Um, so if, if you and you and I go and we get two other, you know, people who maybe have played video games or gamers, then that could be a much more experience, like a much better experience than if you go and you get stuck with a crew of kids. Um, because they're, you know, yeah. it's just that their dexterity isn't as good. Their reactions might not be as good. They might not understand the controls as well. 
Um, so it just depends on who you're with. Yeah, that's the thing. So, you know, I've, I've read people's reviews where they said we had eight-year-old kids who were the pilots and they didn't like the ride as much because they're crashing into everything. The ride's a little bit shorter because you're not doing well on your mission. And then I've heard people say, we piloted it. It was great. So it, it really does, you know, hinge on, like you said, your crew and what position you have. Are you a pilot? Are you a gunner? Now, what's interesting is Disney split the pilot duties up. So one pilot goes up and down, one pilot goes left, right, which I do think probably causes some problems because it's yeah, harder to fly. You think you'd want one person flying the whole yeah, that thing? Yeah, that's kind of weird. Yeah. But I think overall, I mean, they said, you know, the queue's great. You get to actually be in the cockpit. That's a lot of fun. It's at the ride itself. It's a good ride, but is it a great ride? No, it's no flight of passage. Oh. Um, but this ride was never... That's a me- tough ride to match. Yeah. But this ride was never meant to be the crown jewel of the land. Rise of the Resistance is the ride that's supposed to end all rides. That's you know the greatest combination of technology and stuff that's ever existed. Pressure's on. Right. And that's why it's not open yet, because it's not ready. So mm-hmm. you know, I think once that opens and you have that as the anchor ride and the Millennium Falcon is kind of the B ride the land becomes a lot better. People are like, oh, this ride's great because it's not trying to carry everything. But now since it is trying to carry everything, I think people are a little, I mean, I don't want to say, nobody said it's a bad ride, but I think maybe a little bit disappointed on it. Yeah. Um, and like I said, people say the lightsaber, the build your own lightsaber experience for nothing but great reviews on. Um, it's about 20 minutes to half an hour. And you they actually it's great. just told me the other day that you know, because you and I had worked this out. I think we might have talked about this on the podcast before because it's, I mean, one of the complaints I think that you mentioned to me the other day was that people are saying that it's just the souvenirs and merch is very expensive. Yes, in that's the, the park. This is all very high priced merchandise in yeah. there. So like if you're a big fan, maybe you would you would be like, oh, that's fine. But well, that's if you're th- just going with your thing. family and with kids, yeah. you know, you're not looking to spend a ton of money there. If you're a huge fan... This is like the best merchandise you can get because they have things here that Star Wars collectors would love that you would never see anywhere else that are extremely detailed, but they're also extremely expensive. So if you're a casual fan and you want just a t-shirt or something like that, they don't sell that kind of stuff here. And they do have some cheaper priced things, but they have replica stormtrooper masks, replica lightsabers, uh, robes, and and... They have busts of former Jedi masters and Sith masters and stuff. So there's right. a lot of stuff you can get here, which is great. But yeah, if you don't want to spend two, $300 on every item you buy, it's not right. that great. Right. So we, um, what was I going to say? Oh, so the build your own lightsaber experience. We, You and I were talking about one of us builds a lightsaber and the other one builds a droid. Right. So, and then you just told me the other day also that there are pre-made lightsabers that you can also purchase you can and buy the, cheaper than the build your own. Yeah, you can buy the replica. So they have like Darth Vader, I think Obi-Wan Kenobi, Kylo Ren. They have a, a Jedi Temple Guard. You can buy replicas of their lightsaber, which I believe are the similar high quality where it's not the retractable blade. It's like the you yeah, know, the blades out stable. all the time. Right. Um, and, and they are. They're, they're a little bit cheaper than the experience because you're paying for the experience. Now, one thing I did read, because this was my question. I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast before. But I did post this on our Facebook page. Is how are you going to get this lightsaber home? Because it's a three uh, it's a three foot fixed mm-hmm. blade. 
Can you ship it? And and again, this is this is coming from the guy who had a didgeridoo confiscated, uh, confiscated in New Zealand. In New Zealand. Yeah. <laughs> they sold them in the airports and then confiscated or did like it was a little didgeridoo, not the big huge ones. But they said that it could be a blunt force object, yeah, so, so they thinking, confiscated it to us. How am I going to get this home? Like I, I don't want to put this in my check luggage, but apparently. So far, the TSA has said it's fine as a carry-on. So you have to use it as one of your carry-ons, but you can take it on a plane. Now, imagine if you had to... Imagine if, how sick you would look with a, like, with a, a lightsaber, lightsaber strapped to your backpack. Well, they do. They, they give you a carrying case for it because they are still breakable. I mean, you want to be careful even if you have it as a carry-on. So I, that's, I'm not sure if I'll try to mail mine home because I think Disney offers that too. You can send your stuff. It might be better. You can package it a little bit, a little bit better. Uh, it might be a little bit safer, but you can definitely take it on the plane. So for anybody like me who was worried about that, you can you can take it on the plane. So, but that seems to be a great experience. The cantina seems to be a, a great experience, and just kind of walking around the land in general and walking around these shops and seeing all of the merchandise and souvenirs um, does really seem to be great. You did move off of the lightsaber experience pretty quickly. I do have a question. Does it? Because I know in whenever you go to, I mean, this is essentially. Disney's version of Ollivander's. Correct. So in Ollivander's, my co- complaint is always that they usually, they pick kids oftentimes. No. So, th- um, yeah, so this is it's usually they pick kids and it's one person getting picked. And then if you go into the actual store, then there's somebody walking around and they'll basically try to sell it to you. But, um, does everyone get the, to have this, ex- the experience or how does this work? Yeah. So this is different. And there are YouTube videos out there of all of the stuff of, of the lightsaber building experience of the millennium Falcon ride. I mean, you can watch them, but then there's going to be no surprises for you whenever you go. So maybe you don't want to watch them, but essentially what it is is you go and, and you have to sign up and you pick which style of lightsaber you want to build. And they give you a pin. So that way the builders know like which kind to bring you. So you get a pin out of it too. Oh, like a Disney pin, like that you can pin trade. I mean, you could probably pin trade it if you want, but it, it, it denotes, you know, what kind you're building. But I think, I want to say it's like 20 people at a time go in. So it's a very small group and everyone builds their own lightsaber. So okay. it's a group experience. So the person building the lightsaber and one other person is allowed to go. So that's why we said, you know, one of us will do the lightsaber, one of us will do the droid because the other person could still go in and watch the experience. But like if you had a family of four. Oh, yeah. You, not everybody could go. It, w- it would be the person building it and one other person. So two Unless people... you just pick two people in your family exactly. to do it. And right. then you do the same thing with the droid. Right. The droid is the same way where you can have a person doing it. Yeah, it's it the and, droid. Okay. Yeah. But so you can't just walk in off the street and go see the lightsaber experience. Or you just can't walk in. You may be able to walk in and see more of the droid depot. But the lightsaber building, you know, it's supposed to be kind of a secretive base. So it's not like anybody can just walk into that. The droid depot may be a little bit easier but i think they only let uh like what the person building and one other person go back as they build it okay. so so yeah if you want to be more involved but everybody gets to build the lightsaber and, and partake in the experience okay cool yeah. all right sorry i didn't mean to it's okay throw you off i think you were talking about the cantina and yeah, i think that i was just saying yeah i was just saying so everything's gotten pretty good reviews the one thing i've read mixed reviews on is the blue and green milk, yeah, is right? the milk yeah so some people you know i've i've read like it other people I've read don't like it, and I think it's a it's a thing of it's a expectations. preference issue. I think. Yeah, because it's not real milk; it's I believe rice and coconut milk, and it's frozen. So it's not like it's it's more of a slushy than anything. So I have read people saying that the green milk, especially, 
was basically inedible and, and most of it, like 90% of it, they would throw away. And I think it was just because of the flavors they didn't like. Um, whereas I think the blue milk's gotten a little bit better reviews. So I'm kind of curious to try this when we go because I like coconut milk. Um, so, and I mean, having a, a slushy of a coconut milk sounds pretty good. <laughs> I mean, it sounds good to me, but I could see if you don't like non-dairy milks that you wouldn't like this yeah so. i mean we we drink coconut milk at home i mean we don't drink it but we use it in our smoothies so i could see us liking it um yeah but it's interesting because i think disney was trying to go for butterbeer here and butterbeer is pretty much like beloved by everybody and whereas the, like i said the blue and green milk has kind of got mixed reviews so i don't know that it's gonna take off as well as they hope i'm kind of curious to see if they end up making a dairy version like an actual milk version of this that's maybe not a frozen non-dairy. So you have a you have a non-dairy version for people that can't drink dairy, and then you have a dairy version that maybe more people like, um, you know, otherwise. Yeah, and I think that one of the other things that you we were talking about this yesterday on on the way home, um, but you were saying that the flavors um, were just kind of maybe odd yeah, I think flavors. The, green the was blue like a milk. Mango. The blue milk is pineapple, dragon fruit, fruit and watermelon. Okay. And they again they don't they said that it's not the consistency of milk. It's more of the, the like consistency a of a of a milkshake. Yeah, it's like a slushy type thing. Um and then the green options it's heavy on citrus flavors, so orange, grapefruits, um passion fruit. So I and I mean a lot of people grapefruit's one of those things that you either love it or you hate it. Um it has a really strong flavor, but artificially like flavored, it's not bad. Like if you have the LaCroix, it's so good. Gosh, here we go through <laughs> LaCroix again. So Or bubbly. Yeah, but so yeah, so I think it's interesting though, and, and I wonder, like I said, if Disney will tweak the flavors or come out with a full dairy version just because it has gotten mixed reviews. But I think overall, you know, everybody likes it, the the land so far and and I think, you know, Disney's done a great job and I'm looking forward to seeing it and you know, once Rise of the Resistance opens, I think it'll be good. Uh, but kind of what I alluded to earlier is I wanted to talk about, you know, a point that how we I don't think we would have Galaxy's Edge without having uh, Harry Potter at Universal Studios. And it's kind of a, you know, a, a what if scenario here, kind of like the Marvel what if comics. But a lot of people may not know this, but Early on, before Universal got the rights to Harry Potter and the theme parks, there was almost Harry Potter in the Disney theme parks. So in uh, 2003, J.K. Rowling actually signed a letter of intent with Disney to build, uh, to bring Harry Potter to Disney World. Mm -hmm. So if that would have happened, and Disney's idea was where basically New Fantasyland is, so where Seven Dwarves uh, Mine Car Ride is, they were going to build a uh, f- like a magical creatures petting zoo, uh, defense against the dark arts ride, and some shops. And at around like 2004, so I mean they, they were going down the path pretty far, but then around 2004, they had disagreements with her because JK wanted more creative control. She's very... Uh, she's very notorious. Hands on. Yeah, she's very she's very hands on. It's kind of notorious over at Universal of like she has to sign off on everything, and there's some things they can't do because you know you can't have um, any characters walk. That's why there's no like kind of meet and greets in in uh, Hogsmeade or Diagon Alley because 
Uh, JK says, no, you can't have any like face characters out here. Interesting. Like, she doesn't want anybody, I didn't know that. Yeah, she doesn't want anybody from the I movies. I never thought about that. Yeah, she doesn't want, if they are portrayed in the movies, you have to use the people from the movies, their likeness. You can't have somebody out saying, hey, I'm Harry Potter or, or I'm Hermione or anybody. So that's why you don't have those out anywhere. Huh. So she got over you know, some disagreements with Disney in 2004 and just decided, hey, I'm going to drive up the street to Universal. And they said, sure, huh. you know, we'll take you. And they built this really great land. But what I find interesting is you know, a lot of people may be like, man, I wish Disney would have had Harry Potter. But again, I don't think you would have Pandora or Galaxy's Edge if it wasn't for Disney losing Harry Potter. Yeah. Because... The way Disney wanted to do this, this like I said, this was 2003, 2004. Michael Eisner was still in charge. And this was coming off of the back of DCA opening in 2001. They spent over $600 million to build that initially. It was not doing well. It didn't get the uh, kind of turnout that people were, that they were expecting. You know, the, the attendance wasn't that great there. Uh, Disney didn't own Pixar at this point. There was, you know, some contentious negotiations. There was a chance that they weren't going to, um, that Pixar was going to go to another movie studio. They were in the process of building Hong Kong Disneyland. So it was a much different time. Disney wasn't really willing to take a a huge gamble on this property. Yeah. And they knew Harry Potter was popular, but they were going to base everything off the books. They weren't going to use any of the characters from the movies. It was going to kind of be um, built more on, like I said, like, the creatures of the land. So it's going to mm-hmm. be a, a magical creatures petting zoo more and kind of like the forbidden forest. And again, not really anything based on the movie. So not Hogwarts castle, yeah. you know, nothing like that. Cause it was going to go in the magic kingdom where you have Cinderella castle. They're right. not going to build another iconic castle. Yeah. I, I can see why they didn't want to do that. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things where it's, I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. I, I mean, I cried when I went to universal and saw Harry Potter land for the first time. I th- it's it's incredible it's really well done and the the awesome thing about that as you're saying here is i really think that disney kind of had to up their game that's why universal and disney i mean you know our, we're, we have a disney podcast but every now and then we're going to talk about universal because those two parks are so close together and i really do think that they push each other because they're constantly vying for people to, to come to them against each other and it kind of also works together because they're sharing some of the same people. I mean, we've gone for long trips to Disney where we spend a couple days in Universal um, just because, you know, it's fun to mix it up. Universal has different kinds of rides than Disney has. Right. So. And that's the thing. So whenever it fell through with Disney, which I think was going to be a much smaller scale and it went to Universal, they kind of went all in because they needed something to draw more people there because they were kind of seen as the afterthought park of maybe you go up there for a day or something. And so they needed a big splash. So they ended up spending hundreds of millions of dollars and building Hogsmeade. And they built the replica of Hogwarts castle. They had the incredible ride, Harry Potter and the forbidden journey. And it really, which I still think is, I mean, as far as we've been to, like we've, we've ridden the, what the Gringotts ride and stuff. I still think that that's their best ride. I love that ride. So, you know, and and that was really the first land of like full immersion, Mm -hmm. you know, that that was like ever built. And that really moved kind of theme parks, I think, into a new age. And by Universal doing that, now, again, a couple weeks ago, we talked about the 
the theme park reporting of like attendance. I mean, Universal still is not even in the top 10. Yeah. I mean, their attendance has jumped significantly thanks to Harry Potter, but they're still nowhere near Disney, but it's still enough that Disney has to listen and respond. Right. And I mean, critical analysis of, of Universal here for a second, that they have some really great rides and Disney does have some more antiquated rides that are more family focused. But the issue I think with Universal's rides is that they found a technology that's fun and works. Um, and then they applied it to several different rides. And then once you, so like the well, Transformers the ride, ride, yeah, yeah the, the, ride. the Spider-Man ride, the Transformers ride. And I think there's another ride that are almost exactly the same. All those screen based rides, they're very, very similar. So you ride one and you're like, Oh my gosh, that was awesome. And then you ride the next one. You're like, Hmm, this is fun. It was kind of similar to that other one though. But by the time you read, ride the third one, you're like, I'm kind of over it by now. Yeah, like I wish yeah, you would have done very, something a little different. Similar. Yeah. But, yeah. But the Harry Potter rides there though, they do have screens on them, but it's a completely different ride yeah, no, system. It's, it's, yeah. a, it's a different yeah. ride so, system. So they're much different. But yeah, so I mean, them building that and creating that immersion and then people responding to that, then you have Disney getting Pandora because, hey, we need you know another huge kind of movie property. And I think they almost took it. I mean, Avatar had crazy I, viewing. Like, I mean, it did do really well in the box office, but I think, yeah, I, I mean, don't know if we talked a, about this before It was a little bit of a stretch. I mean, to, yeah, I think because, it was a I mean, it, it had a lot of people loved it, because not necessarily because it, they thought it was like the greatest movie ever, but because it was so revolutionary in terms of technology. So it is really interesting that Disney went with that, but I, it did translate really well into a theme park because you have this yeah, wilderness well. that's been yeah. created that's, you know, it, it both kind of mirrors the, the jungles where like a lot of people don't get a chance to go to, but also it has like cool and exotic stuff. And like we talked about, um, when you go to the park, you can't tell, is that an exotic plant or is that fake? Right. Like, did they build that? Right. Yeah. So that, so that was a direct response. And then in, I think 2014 or 2015, Disney buys Lucasfilm. And so now they have the rights to Harry Potter and then immediately, or not Harry Potter, <laughs> Star Wars. And then immediately once that happens, everybody starts going, when are we getting a Star Wars land? When are we getting a Star Wars land? And Disney finally builds that. And again, I don't think Disney would have built or put the money into Star Wars land, Galaxy's Edge, if you didn't have I mean, Harry Potter. If you didn't have Harry Potter. And because the level that was a of, proof of concept too. Yeah, the level of immersion... Again, I think it would have been a much smaller scale. You know, we, we had Star Tours. I think you'd get something like that. You, maybe you'd get another ride or some more meet and greets and right. something. But you're not going to get a billion-dollar land. If if Disney had originally gotten Harry Potter 15, 16 years ago and they built a small-scale land, it would have been good. People would have liked it. But it wouldn't have pushed the industry forward the way Universal did. And now, I mean, just the level of immersion that all these lands have to be now. We're getting a Star Wars hotel because that's the next phase of it. Hey, let's make an extremely themed hotel where for two days you never leave a theme park. There's never any break in the illusion and continuity because you go to the land, you leave, and when you're in this hotel, there's missions and everybody's in character all the time. And it's, you know, they call it the the Disney 360 degree vacation because you're constantly enveloped in that and you know and and universal's building super nintendo world in response to galaxy's edge and pandora and you know so just the level of immersion is great and so i i, I actually i'm glad that disney didn't get harry potter yeah you know, i think i think what if they did get them i don't think we would have we wouldn't have flight of passage We're, we wouldn't have galaxy's edge and so you know 
while a lot of people may not like Universal if you're a hardcore Disney fan, I think you should be happy that yeah. that, that it fell through. Yeah. And I mean, it, like I said, they're rivals. They push each other. Exactly. And it's, it's always good to have somebody that's on, you know, on your on your heels, kind of nipping at them a little bit, right. making you worry that you're going to lose that top spot. Right. And I think Universal will probably push, you know, there's talk of a of them building a new theme park on their land. I think when that happens, Disney will probably decide, okay, now it's time to build a fifth theme park, which will be good because they're going to have a lot more. Zootopia. I mean, they'll have Zootopia, they'll have Fox properties, all sorts of stuff. So I think, yeah, you're right. I think Having Zootopia them push each would, other would be, would be a, an excellent next land or they need to build another land um or create another movie where it has like this this crazy immersive um environment kind of like avatar has where it's colorful and like crazy and it just seems to be out of your mind because i think star wars is going to be amazing but the colors in star wars it's I very bet, muted yeah yeah it's it's very is, muted is, is colors, muted. right you want to take place uh, to somebody to a place like i think avatar hits this a little bit where it's like oh my gosh the ground is phosphorescent like yeah, this is so cool it's something that's like out of your stuff. out of your dreams um so i think that disney can even step that up a bit and i think zootopia is closer to that way but i think that in the future you might even see a development of a movie just for the purpose of them to turn it into a land well, I don't think they do that. I think they develop the movies and then the ones that make a billion dollars, they go, okay, now we need to bring this into the theme park I think somehow. that they can probably anticipate. I think Tron's the only one. Just get Alan Tudyk in it and you'll be fine. True. Tron's the only one really that they've, that's not a, from a box office perspective, it's not a great movie property, but yet they have the Tron light cycle coaster and it's so popular that they're building it in Disney World now. That's that's really the only <laughs> that's really the only recent ride they're putting in because if you look at everything else, Avatar, multi-billion dollar box office grocer, all the Marvel lands, you know, you know Marvel's just printing money. Star Wars is is huge. Zootopia is a billion dollar brand. Frozen's a billion dollar brand. Toy Story's a billion dollar brand. They don't build rides unless you are almost a billion dollar brand if not a billion dollars so it's like tron's the one kind of outlier there at least in recent memory i could actually see them building arendale somewhere i'm surprised they are they are yeah that's yeah they're that's go they're going to be building that in um in tokyo tokyo disney sea expansion is going to have peter pan uh frozen and i believe uh well they're building the beauty and the beast right i don't know if that's part of that or they're building Tangled as well. Because Disneyland Paris is also getting frozen and I think Tangled over there. So I can't I get them mixed up. But yeah, they're 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 expanding okay. those lands as well. Because so. I could see like Elsa's Ice Castle. Just that would be a really cool um that would be a really cool castle just to have. Um even if they built a new park, like build a new park and make Elsa's Ice Castle the main castle. Like that yeah. that would be well, so cool. I think a Frozen Two does as good as frozen one does mm-hmm. yeah you may you may see that push of okay frozen you know it, it that the first one wasn't a fluke people really do love frozen yeah maybe in another park you have kind of a fairy tale park and you could have you know elsa's castle in there side note how long do you think it takes for them to build a live action frozen oh i don't think i don't think anything coming out now would be turned into live action i think you wait 10 15 years it will no, be no I, I don't think so because they'll still be making all right all podcasters listen up they could be making we have uh, pre- four in 10 or 15 years i mean just look how long toy stories toy story's been going 20 Forever. years yeah and they're still making them they're not going to make a live action toy story i think i think all the new animated computer animated stuff 
I don't think that goes live action anytime soon. I think the live action will fizzle out before they'd ever get to that point that yeah. they that they would go with there. So yeah, but yeah. So I, I just thought it was interesting, you know, just to kind of give a recap on Galaxy's Edge and kind of talk about you know the somewhat unlikely link between Harry Potter and Star Wars. So, but if anybody was lucky enough to go or you know has is going this month, definitely let us know what you thought. We'll, like I said, we'll be going to Disney World in November uh, to kind of experience it ourselves, and we'll we'll have some more detailed recap of what we thought of of the rides and everything. But so far, it seems seems to be pretty great, and, and people love the immersion of it. So I, I think it, it it'll be good. So I want to thank everybody for listening again. We'll uh, we're here every Monday with new episodes. <laughs> so we'll see you, we'll see you here next Monday. But you know, please leave us a rating or or a review wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, it, it really helps. Subscribe to us so that way. You kind of are first to get our episodes. You don't have to remember every Monday to, to download them. They'll just automatically be downloaded for you. And we, you know, we really appreciate it. As I mentioned, uh, be sure to like us on Facebook or Instagram. We are at Enchanted Ears Podcast. You know, first to know if we do any more contests. If you have any questions you want us to answer on the show, you can send, send them, them there. our way. Yeah, or you can even do it through our website, EnchantedEarsPodcast.com slash podcast question. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you can send yeah through Instagram or Facebook. So uh, everybody have a great week. We'll see you here next Monday. And remember, have have a a magical magical day. day.